Yeah, the psalm is Psalm 19. It's on page 530. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. They have no speech, they use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens he has pitched a tent for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you, Alice. Well, such an amazing psalm. I think it'd be great if you could keep that open. We'll refer to it a little bit as we go along. I was really looking forward to hearing Alice reading that psalm today. It's, a, it's kind of like a sermon in itself. Can you imagine every day starting your day with a psalm like that, speaking life into our lives? What an amazing thing. And uh, today we're, we're talking about what it is to pray every day. Why pray every day? We're going through a series on prayer. We're, we're looking at the why, the when, and the how of prayer. And this month we're asking some questions about why. Why do we pray? And why in particular do we pray every day? Uh, let's just pray together as we, we think about that. Lord, thank you that you, uh, you create every day. That you're there at the start. You're there at the end of every day and in every moment. Lord, would you open our hearts to your heart for us. Open our eyes that we can see you our ears that we hear you today. 
Would you fill us with your spirit? And we ask it in your son's name. Amen. So, a daily discipline of prayer. I wonder what your immediate impulse reaction to that concept is. What is our daily life like today? Well, I wanted to show you just a short clip uh, on the video. We'll try and get it to, to run. Unfortunately, it's quite, it, it comes up quite dark on the screen, but the, the narration of it is, is um, the, the voiceover, if you like, it speaks volumes. It's, it's, uh, it's an amazing reflection on modern-day culture. It's actually from a, a film made in 1980, so it's quite old now, called The Gods Must Be Crazy. And it's a film in which a bushman from the Kalahari Desert goes into the city. And um, the two cultures collide in the most incredible way. The simple culture of the bushman comes into the complexity of modern city life. And that the, there's, uh, there's something drawn out between the, the contrast between the simple and the complex. And the, narr the narrator who takes you through the film uh, asks the question, which life is more fulfilling, is more healthy? Um, so have a listen and see what you can from this clip here. <laughs> They're very gentle people. They'll never punish a child or even speak harshly to it. So, of course, those kids are extremely well behaved, and their games are cute and inventive. When the family needs meat, the hunter dips his tiny arrow in a brood that acts as a tranquilizer. So when he shoots a buck, it only feels a sting, and the arrow drops out. The buck runs away, but soon it gets very drowsy, and it stops running. After a while, it goes to sleep. And the hunter apologizes to his prey. He explains that his family needs the meat. The one characteristic which really makes the Bushmen different from all the other races on Earth is the fact that they have no sense of ownership at all. Where they live, there's really nothing you can own. Only trees and grass and animals. In fact, these Bushmen have never seen a stone or a rock in their lives. The hardest things they know are wood and bone. They live in a gentle world where nothing is as hard as rock or steel or concrete. Only 600 miles to the south, there's a vast city. And here you find civilized men. Civilized man refused to adapt himself to his environment. Instead, he adapted his environment to suit him. So he built cities, roads, vehicles, machinery. And he put up power lines to run his labor-saving devices. But somehow, he didn't know when to stop. The more he improved his surroundings to make his life easier, the more complicated he made it. 
So now his children are sentenced to 10 to 15 years at school just to learn how to survive in this complex and hazardous habitat they were born into. And civilized man who refused to adapt himself to his natural surroundings now finds that he has to adapt and readapt himself every day and every hour of the day to his self-created environment. For instance, if the day is called Monday and the number 730 comes up, you have to disadapt yourself from your domestic surroundings and readapt yourself to an entirely different environment. There you are. Well, the complexities of modern life. And into that, we, uh, we approach the subject of what prayer looks like in modern life. For uh, nearly 100 years now, the evangelical tradition of the church has embraced a form of daily prayer called a quiet time, where you start off each morning with, with a time of Bible reading and a time of prayer. And um, going back further than that, from the, from the Middle Ages, the monastic tradition uh, punctuated the day with times of prayer, morning prayer, vespers, evening prayer, compline. The monastic uh, pattern of prayer finds its way into our prayer book. Archbishop Cranmer, when he started the Church of England, set out patterns of prayer in his prayer book based on this monastic pattern. And we hear that the first monks were the ones who developed clocks for us in order to figure out what points in the day uh, they would be praying as a sort of call to prayer. Where do we find time to practice patterns of daily prayer in our life today? Perhaps the idea of getting up early in the morning is the last thing that is going to work for you when in reality... You're just waking up when you're getting off the tube in the morning. Or when a small child disturbs your reverie first thing in the morning, asking to be fed, or for a nappy change, or whatever it might be. And so I'm really aware this morning when I talk about daily prayer, that it can arouse in us feelings of guilt, inadequacy, failure, or just the impossibility of it all. But what I wanted to offer <clears throat> is just three principles, three patterns, and three pointers for us today in how we might pray every day and why we might pray every day. Three principles, three patterns, and three pointers. The first principle, if you like, I believe is a word from God for us, and that is, seek me. Seek me. As we pray every day, we recognize that the call of God on our lives is to seek him. As we pray, we're not seeking first and foremost fulfillment in our lives, enlightenment, we're not seeking peace, happiness, success, significance, or guidance, good as these things may be. We seek first God. 
God himself. All these other things flow out of that. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be given to you first. In the prophet Jeremiah, the Lord spoke to his people, and he said, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. A wholehearted seeking after God. And so what we look for when we pray every day is an actual encounter with the person of God. An encounter with God himself. And it's my conviction that a five-second encounter with God at the start of the day will not just change your day, it will change your life. It will change the world around you. This is our aim in prayer, first and foremost, is to seek God. An encounter with God will transform us. It changes everything. Seek me. That's our first principle. The second principle is this, that God is here. There's a theological word. It's called imminence. Imminence. It means that God is everywhere in his creation. There's not not a millimeter, a micron, or whatever's smaller than a micron. Uh, The smallest possible particle in the world is inhabited by God. There is nowhere in this creation where God is not. There is no such thing, using uh, popular uh, parlance today, there's no such thing as secular space, a space that we carve out without God, without reference to him. God is in the entirety of his creation. He's not limited to it, but he's in everything. And so before I even get to pray, God is there waiting for me. Before I even think about seeking God, God reveals himself to me as the one who sought me first, like the good shepherd going out to look for the lost sheep, like that woman sweeping her house to look for a lost coin, like a father waiting for a lost son. And so the psalmist says in another place, in Psalm 139, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. God is everywhere. God is where I am before I even start praying. It's God who awakens a thirst for God in me and who sustains me in my walk with him. So our first principle is to seek God. Our second principle is to know that God is already there. And our third principle is this isn't something we can outsource. You can't outsource prayer. 
You can't outsource an encounter with the living God. It's not something that someone else can do for you. We each have a call on our lives to encounter God and to be changed by Him, to be loved by God, to meet God every day. Please pray for me, people say. I've said it to a few friends this week. Please pray for me. That doesn't mean that I've now delegated responsibility for my life to somebody else. People come up to me as someone who wears a dog collar. Would you please pray for me? Of course, I'd love to pray for you. But that doesn't mean that I'm coming to the professional to have my prayer, because, because somehow, because Will wears a dog collar, his prayers are better than mine. No. The Lord wills it that each one of us would approach him as his son, as his daughter, precious in his sight. So there are three principles. Seeking God, an encounter with God. The God who is there. And something that we cannot outsource. After our three principles, we have three patterns. Three patterns. And there's an amazing pattern set out, I think, in this psalm, Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. You can imagine David awaking in the morning to declare this hymn of praise to his God. And Jesus, we heard, we hear in the Gospels, would get up at dawn and head out into a mountain, a quiet place, to go and seek God, to praise him. And so our first pattern, if you like, is the start of the day. As I've said, it may be a a real pressure for us to pray to God at the start of the day. But there's a real sense of starting well. And in um, in this psalm, we see all the patterns of prayer displayed for us. Sophie Get brought us uh, an acronym of STOP. I want to give you a different one, just to confuse you. And that's ACTS. A-C-T-S. ACTS. Um, as, a, as a pattern of prayer. ACTS starts with adoration. A is for adoration. And the psalmist here says... Heavens declare the glory of God. Do you see how that word of of, uh, adoration of God puts everything in context? God is the God of creation who loves everything that he has made. And so as I come to God at the start of a new day, maybe I have worries, maybe I have anticipations, excitements, joys, and disappointments. All these things are brought to a God who is a creator, a loving creator, a loving father. And so we start in prayer in adoration of God. A is for adoration. C is for confession. As we approach a loving God, as we approach a holy God, often we find naturally within us that there are things that, of which we're not proud that we need to confess. 
we recognize in ourselves an independence. I am carving out my life. But as you come to God in prayer, you recognize that God wants to be in control of your life. With you. God wants to live in your life with you. But it feels like we have to relinquish that control to him. Henry Nouwen wrote this amazing line. When we are invited to pray, we are asked to open our tightly clenched fists and to give up our last coin. When we're invited to pray, we're asked to open our tightly clenched fists and to give up our last coin. As we come before God, as we bring our prayers to him, we recognize that we are finite. We are limited people. We have a limited amount of time. We have a limited capacity in our resources. We're limited even in our love. But God is not limited. God is not short of resources. My favorite Bono quote, the God I believe in ain't short of cash, mister. <laughs> he's not short. He's not, he's not limited at all by anything, by time or space. And so as we come to God, we're often brought to a place of confession and reality. Adoration, confession, and thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving may seem at times to be such a natural expression of how we feel. At other times, it's a discipline. It's something that we are commanded to do because it changes something in me. It changes my orientation to my current situation. If I'm having a hard time and I give thanks to God, I choose to um, have a change in attitude to my situation. Any resentments that I have fall away as I give thanks to God in the midst of my situation. Lisa's been practicing this this week uh, in some of the challenges that we've been facing this week. She's coined a phrase from Corrie Ten Boom, who, uh, who lived out the war in a concentration camp. Corrie Ten, Ten Boom uh, coined the phrase, Hallelujah anyway. Hallelujah anyway. In the midst of suffering, in the midst of difficulties, in the midst of challenges, hallelujah anyway. Praise the Lord anyway. We give thanks, sometimes as a discipline, other times as an expression of the joy that we feel. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and the last letter of the word, acts. Supplication, in other words, asking for things, which is, in reality, at the heart of prayer. It's often our driver to pray. Oh, I've got a list of things that I need to ask for. Well, this person is so on my heart, I need to ask for them something of the Lord. Or, I've just got this meeting today that I'm not looking forward to help. But before we get to the supplication, Let's not forget to do the adoration, the confession, the thanksgiving. And then perhaps by the time we get to our supplication, things might look slightly different as we ask God for stuff. 
So the start of the day, we start with prayer, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And we also feed on God's word. We read the Bible. We read the Bible. And the psalmist expresses it far better than I could. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Enough said. The word of God is like food to the soul. So there's our morning or our our early start to the day as part of our pattern. But the tendency sometimes is to say, right, well, I had a really good time of prayer this morning. So I've done that. And now I can get on with my day. And we tick that box, and then we get on with our life the way we want to live it. And the challenge to that, the best challenge to that I've heard of, is a small book called The Practice of the Presence of God by a monk called Brother Lawrence. Um, And he recognizes that every day, every moment of each day, can be a prayer. We can find God in the washing up or in the peeling of potatoes, which is what he used to do. We can find God on our tube journey. We can find God in our circumstances. When our own agendas have been derailed, we can find God speaking to us. What if there was no such thing in life as a coincidence? What if it's no such thing that you bump into that particular person on the street? What if it's no coincidence that you missed that particular train? that the roadworks were taking place in a particular place, so you had to divert your journey and therefore ended up in a slightly different place to the one you expected? What if it's no coincidence that things at work didn't quite turn out the way you expected it to? What if the Lord is speaking to you in that place? We practice the presence of God by prayerfully bringing all these things to him, by expecting to see God today. Do we start off, do we leave the house in the morning expecting to God to speak to us in our circumstance? That's the second pattern, practicing the presence of God. And the third pattern for us is reflection, or what the... uh, what the, um, the saint in the ancient church, Ignatius, used to call examine. Reflective life. At the end of the day, we look back and we ask ourselves the question, what was it today that brought me closer to God? What were the things today that brought me closer to God or that made me happy, that made me laugh out loud? 
And what were the things today that took me further away from God? What were the things today that made me sad or angry or frustrated? We reflect on these things and we ask ourselves, why? Why did these things provoke these reactions in us? Is there something in me that I need to confess? Is there a change in me that I need to pray for? Is there something I need to give thanks for? Is there something that I need to do more of? Three patterns. A good start. Practicing the presence and reflection. And three pointers, three practical things for us. Firstly, feeding on the Word. Let's find a way of reading the Bible that works for us and stick to it. Let's find a way of reading the Bible that works for us and stick to it. I wouldn't necessarily recommend starting at the book of Genesis and working your way through although it has been known to happen. You may get bogged down by the time you get to Leviticus. You may find that having gone through the book of 1 Kings, you ask yourself in in 1 Chronicles, I've read this somewhere before, because 1 1 and 2 Chronicles almost replicate the stories of 1 and 2 Kings. There are slight differences. Maybe we need some help to read the Bible and find a tool and cling on to it. Did you know that Nikki Gumbel from HTB will email you every day with a Bible reading and some commentary on it? I thought he was a busy man. But he'll email you every single day and he'll take you through the Bible in a year. That's an amazing thing I can recommend to you. Actually, I think he gets someone else to send the email for him. But he did write it originally. This is a good tool. Tom Wright, who used to be the Bishop of Durham, now has returned to academia up at St. Andrews University, has written a series of books. This one is on Mark's Gospel, Mark for Everyone. And there's a short verse. Here's like Mark 5, verses 1 to 20. He'll write the passage out for you and then give you a few thoughts on it. So that's three pages on your that day's reading. And He's working his way through the New Testament at the moment. I recommend these books really highly. That's Tom Wright's books. If you're more liturgical, like me, you might like to use the Church of England's lectionary readings, which feeds you with a psalm, an Old Testament, and a New Testament reading every day. And if you're technological, you can download it into your iPad or iPod or anything else. It's fantastic. Find a tool. doesn't really matter which one. Try to go through different bits of the Bible, not just the same bits over and over again. Find a way to feed on the Bible on a regular basis. That's the first pointer. Second pointer, maybe slightly more controversially, why not try fasting? Why not try fasting, the discipline of fasting. It's an ancient thing. 
In fact, since Old Testament times, people have fasted. What does it look like today? What does fasting look like for us today? Maybe it means deciding to forego lunch one day and go to a quiet place to pray. Maybe it means to forego some other pleasure in life for a period of time. Maybe it means to look at what are my dependencies? What am I becoming dependent on? And choosing to go in the other direction. To say, actually, you know what? I'm going to stop doing that and I'm going to go to God instead. I'm going to be dependent on God. Whatever those dependencies may be in our life. We live in a consumer society. Consumerism is held up as uh, our goal. We are, are represented in that society as consumers. Why not reject that for a period of time and say, I am not a consumer. I am a human being made in the image of God. Therefore, I'm going to change my patterns of consumption and I'm going to seek God. There's a challenge for you. The third pointer. Find some sanctuary in your day, in your week, in your month, whatever the pattern that works for you. Create a different rhythm for yourself. Go somewhere else if you've got the opportunity. Walk the long way somewhere. Go down by the river or through a park. Lift your eyes up. Waste some time with God. Maybe it's just a different chair at home. Maybe it's to come in here. The office is open pretty much Monday to Thursday during office hours. If you're in the neighborhood, why not just knock on the door and say, can I come and sit in the church and pray for a bit? That would be fine. You know, we'd quite like that if people came and prayed in the church every now and then. Be great. So three are three pointers. Find a way to read the Bible that works for you. Maybe try fasting and find some sanctuary. All that is really to pad out what I believe that the Lord wants to say to us today, which is, seek me. These are all patterns and rhythms and tools to help us with one thing. That's to seek an encounter with the living God. Seek me. As we seek God, we find that God is the God who seeks us, who's come looking for us, who loves us, who's there before we even start looking. Shall we do that now? Shall we stand? Maybe you're used to praying sitting down. Maybe you're used to praying kneeling. Maybe... Today, let's just do something different. Let's pray standing up, which is the way they did in the Old Testament. In fact, the Hebrews would lift up their hands in prayer. Maybe you'd like to try that. Thanks, Alan. 
very encouraging. Okay. Well, hold your hands out. Do something different. Just a moment of, of silence, a rare, precious thing. going to invite the band to come back and lead us in a final song. Just two things, I think. Um, 